Good evening, and welcome back to another edition of the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined, as always, by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Nothing. How are we doing tonight? Oh, we're doing all right. We might have football this week. I don't know. Let's be positive. We've got uh, a game scheduled, and let's leave it at that. (laughs) I've got a a spatter week scheduled here. Um, And according to Coach Signetti and Coach Eastman, both teams may be prepared to have full rosters this week. So we'll see what happens. Uh, like everything else this spring. Yeah, um, not counting chickens. No. I, I look, I, Rob, I think we should start. The one thing I want to say off the top, we should start with some um, – well, we'll explain the show first. We're going to go through, do a little roundup of JMU sports. We're going to talk, ask each other a few questions about JMU football and where things stand. And we're really lucky tonight to have a really cool guest. Um, we're going to have Sam Herder from Hero Sports. Uh, Mr. Anti-JMU himself. I'm just kidding there. Um, <laughs> Sam knows I'm kidding there. Um, but, you know, JMU fans, <laughs> they, they have their own thoughts on this. Uh, but as Rob and I have said, Sam is probably the only person in America who's actually watched like more than half of the FCS spring games that have been played. And so it's really good to talk to him as we look ahead to Selection Sunday this weekend and the possibility of JMU making the playoff field uh, this coming week going into next week. Um, but Rob, uh, the one thing, I mean, we got to say just, you know, we don't know him, but we uh, lost coach Jamal Powell, former coach for the JMU Dukes this week um, to cancer. It just sucks. I don't have anything, you know, miraculous to say here. You know, it's going to make anybody feel any better, um, but we would encourage JMU fans. And Rob, I thought it was funny today. Um, you know, a few JMU players, of Coach Powell's former players. He was with the 2016 championship team, um, including Aaron Stinney and Brian Shore, started a foundation uh, based on what's been going on with Coach Powell over the last couple of years, the Big Man Foundation. You can find them at thebigmanfoundation.org. Um, and it's specifically set up to try to help assistant coaches at the college level uh, who have to deal with unexpected thing, trouble like this, um, deal with some of the financial hardships that this causes those families. And I think it's a really valuable thing. And it makes me feel really good that uh, our former, you know, former JMU student athletes, uh, you know, have been a big part of this and are the board members now. I kind of looked them up today, Rob. You know, we've done a lot of charity, tried to get involved in more and more charity stuff over the years. seems like they're trying to do a really good job. Um, you know, we made a, a small contribution today and just something that's worth checking out. It's hard today because, Rob, we both care, you know, about our friends over at everyday should be Saturday had their big fundraiser today. Mm-hmm. It's great to see Jason and some people right in. We're huge fans of, of theirs. The shutdown full cast is our spiritual godfather. And, uh, and they do this great program for new American pathways out of Georgia. And Rob, you know, we put that out today as well. And of course this week, we're going to do our own thing this weekend for Duke's mafia. Uh, we've got a lot of weeks stored up and this is our one chance to hit the Valley. <laughs> yeah. right? So, um, you know, I, we don't mean to ask you for all these things, but they're all worthy things to think about. And it's just so sad. I mean, coach Powell was younger than either one of us. It uh, is, it is sad. And certainly my heart goes out to his family and everybody was, but it's also kind of joyful in the sense that you see how many people he really touched on, on a deeply human level. And, and that's really the impact of being a coach, you know, obviously mm-hmm. I'm sure the guy loved the game of football, but he's one of those people who really seem to relish the opportunity to get involved in, in young men's lives and, and help make them better. 
And from what we've seen over the past week or so, he certainly did that. So in some sense, it's, it's a celebration of, yeah, his time was too short, but the guy touched a lot of people and seemed to have done a lot of good with, with his short time. So awful situation, but also a hell of an example of, of what it can, what we all can do to each other and how we can really help each other out. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're right, Rob, the impact that these coaches have um, on so many lives is it, it, you understand why they love that work. <laughs> why they're passionate about it. I, I saw my neighbor across the street getting ready to go coach our local high school baseball team for the first first time that I've noticed him in his full uniform this spring. You know, like, and he's my age, you know, and it's funny seeing him put on the uniform, um, go out the door. Do they, they uniform up in high school? I they uniform up in high school. I, I guess at least this school does. So uh, I, I was, No, I guess they, they probably had the do. blue and gray out, ready to go today. So I was uh, wow. I was laughing. But it made me think of the, the, the JMU situation and, and Coach Powell and thinking about, you know, in these weird times how – uh, just the incredible impact that these coaches have. And uh, I think it's, you know, it shows in the life of guys like Aaron Sinney and Brian Shore, you know, like what they're doing now. And it's just impressive. So our heart goes out to everyone um, who played for, was friends with, family with Coach Powell. Um, but there's a lot of good we can do and, and hopefully we can all be inspired by his legacy. So, there's no easy segue here, uh, but we're moving right into the roundup this week. Um, I, we just I just wanted to touch on four teams, really, Rob. I mean, I'll note that women's soccer season ended over the weekend. Good for them. I hope they get ready for the fall. Uh, lacrosse had a disappointing loss this weekend. Yeah, they, they are really, um, I don't know, not that, you know, not living up to the expectations. Been at the moment. Yeah. yeah, been a rough year for them. Um, baseball didn't play. They go back to Charleston this weekend. I won't, I, I, this, they almost made the list field hockey. You can make the list next week. Uh, we love field hockey for the big things. They had a big three, nothing win this weekend over Towson. They played senior day early just in case they don't get their last game in. Um, but they have a big game tomorrow. By the time most of you hear this Tuesday at three o'clock against number 20 in the nation, Delaware, um, at home. And I'm really glad this is the first of many we're going to talk about. This is on JMU Sports View, which is free. Oh, uh, yeah. The, basically the, the reincarnation of, of, yes, the, the old, um, you know, the old Alumni Association produced JMU production is pretty darn good. And it's free across in a lot of sports right now. Uh, so you don't have to be on Flow. Just go to the JMU Sports website and you can watch a lot I of I canceled games. Flow this morning. There you go. Yeah, because we're done with that. Yeah, we're going. <laughs> Felt really good. Yeah. So the four programs I wanted to mention in, uh, we'll go from, uh, well, anyways, we'll start with women's golf. Uh, just good for them. They are in second place at the CAA championships uh, down in Greensboro, North Carolina. I, I know this because I, I got a message from uh, one of the JMU athletic department people asking me for brewery recommendations in Greensboro. So that's good. Um, but they're in second place and playing really well. They had three golfers score really well yesterday. Uh, tomorrow is the last day. So, uh, good luck to women's golf bringing it home. Women's tennis, Rob, your team here is stands at eleven and three overall. They had two big wins last week: six to one over Marshall and seven nothing over the College of Charleston. Seven nothing over Charleston feels like kind of a big deal in the CAA. Yeah, um, I, I don't know. Jamie's yeah. got the number one seed in the they tournament. They do, right? and yeah. now they're they're actually off this week, but the tournament starts on April twenty second in Williamsburg. So, yeah. Um, 
big news for them and great for Coach Shelley. And then the the two teams at the end here that I really want to focus on, Rob, are men's soccer. I mean, enormous yeah. win. They won 2 nothing over nationally ranked UNC Wilmington. They are now five wins and a draw. Uh, they play Thursday at Drexel and then Saturday – Oh no! That's yeah. They play Drexel on Thursday in the semis, and then if they win, they would play UNC Wilmington Hofstra winner on in the final on Saturday. So this is it. This is CAA attorney time. They're the number one seed. It's all to play for for them. Um, exciting times, but that was a huge win. I noticed that they moved up in the. We we've talked about the craziness of the college soccer polls. They're like six in the nation in one poll and receiving like 20, votes, not even ranked in yeah. the other. Yeah, yeah. So I have no idea. Um, I, I did kind of look through and I did a little more research than I would care to admit today. Um, I don't know. You know, they need to make the final. If they lose to UNC Wilmington in the final in the rematch of this week's game, maybe they get at large. I, I, well, I don't you- know. It, it, again, you take that logic of, yeah, two really good teams, and JMU, I think it's 5-0 and 1 at this point. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, yeah, on paper, they'd certainly be there. But then on paper, they should be ranked in every poll. So I, I wouldn't put anything past these, Well, and the other teams. thing is, and it, I did look at the weird thing compared to football where it feels like every team has only played four or five games. Um, in soccer, JMU is 5-0 and 1, and there are some of the nationally, like I think, uh, like Clemson, Georgetown, some of the like top five programs have played as many as 13 or 14 games. So it's just really hard to like gauge what, you know, what will be evaluated on your resume for any kind of at-large bids in the NCAA tournament this year. So I don't know, but that was a huge win for JMU to beat UNC Wilmington. So, and I, I don't know, they get a lot of love, it seems like. So I'm, I'm excited. I'd, I'd like to see them win. Um, it'd be good to have this uh, men's soccer was a big deal when we were in school, Rob. Oh, yeah. Kind of on the tail end of it being an even bigger deal. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a sport that could be really fun, I feel like, at JMU. Um, you know, like it could move the needle someday if they got that rolling again with students, really, with, with the, you know, I mean, with a lot of students who are soccer fans. So. Yeah, and I think now so more days than we are. Like, it, soccer was a big deal from the student perspective when we were in school. Just um, the, the games were well attended. I mean, my freshman year, they were still playing on the hill before they moved to oh, yeah. what was it? The the place out by Sheets, Precentera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Field hockey is now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it was still like really kind of well attended for a non revenue sport. Um, but that was back when both of us, pretty much everybody grew up playing soccer at some level. But now I would think that the average average student it's likely that they have a favorite premier league team or you know bundesliga team or, or just follow the game ML, mls so. and they play in fifa yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly <laughs> but I, and certainly it's an attractive it's an attractive spectator experience because one it's free <laughs> you yeah. know yeah. you go right in there and it's easy to get to ride your bike over go to center and it's it's fun so certainly a lot of potential there um i didn't know what was gonna happen when tom martin retired coach mm-hmm. but new coach is just really been like gangbusters right out yeah. of the gate so yeah bright future there and, and it's a I, I, we always liked it as students because it's one of those sports that like it feels like if students want to get involved like it sets up for like building your own culture around. Yeah, exactly my, i realized you know. my free comment was absolutely stupid because every sport there is phrase is stupid but what i meant is like it's simpler yeah. is yes. that insulting what i'm saying like yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like you can go and you can have a very large impact and do something very fun with 
with the ability to stand out or really shape the culture, like you said. Yes. If you can recruit like a hundred fans to sneak in two bottles, like you can make a big difference in the culture of the game. Yeah. <laughs> like in a way that you can't do in mo- yeah. like basketball and football. Like you can't pull that off. Yeah, you, you, know, you can like, really make a difference there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um get a very um, homemade TIFO going on in your, yeah, your swimmates yeah. or something. That's right. So um and then the last team, Rob, we got I mean softball is just on fire mm-hmm. and we have enormously high hopes for this team because the regular season does not end until the middle of May, much less whatever postseason opportunities may be out there for them. They stand at 19 and one after a sweep over UNC Wilmington. I, I would note that the sweep of UNC Wilmington was mostly important because they played real games this week. They'd sort of been through a little stretch where they'd been kind Remember of mopping the floor everybody. with some, yeah, yeah drags of the CAA and this weekend they they didn't run rule the Seahawks at all they won one nothing five three and six three um, and they have a doubleheader coming up this Wednesday also at home also free also on the JMU sports view free tune in site on the website against George Washington which may be their last chance to play uh, you know a semi-notable out-of-conference opponent um, and then they play Elon this weekend also for free also available I would also note for anyone going to the football game this weekend, that Elon game on Saturday, the first game of the series, is at 11 a.m. And there's no tailgating at football. So the Richmond game is at 2 p.m. So you could probably watch the entire JMU softball game and still make the football game. Um, As you know, Rob, I love college softball because it is a 90 to 120-minute in-and-out yeah, like seven inning. We get them in, get them out. We the pitcher yeah. doesn't need to warm up a lot. We just keep mm-hmm. this thing rolling. Um, yeah, so nineteen and one is speaks for itself, and just really hopeful they can keep it going. Alyssa Humphrey has been really, really dominant for them in the circle, and they're getting contributions all over the lineup uh, on offense. So just really, really hopeful for Jamie softball. The schedule, they didn't play much out of conference this year, as we know. Well, they didn't have the benefit of a lot of those preseason tournaments. Or they, usually get a, you know, they can knock off an Oregon or, or, yeah. or something like that. So. Yeah, so they're probably not going to be setting up for any kind of a home scenario in the postseason. I don't um, think they're playing for a two-seed. They are, region. probably. But, yeah. um, but that's a big deal. And, you know, who knows what can happen? We, we've seen it in softball before, so... Go get them. I, I'm just really happy to hear about them. So all of that around the horn is brought to you by Home Field Apparel. <laughs> yes. You guys out of Indiana and our new shirts and our uh, everybody, you can look, you can go to homefieldapparel.com. You can use the offer code JMU sports blog, all one word, put it in. You get 15% off your order. You can use that for all the cool JMU stuff that's on there, but you can also use it for any school you want. So if you need a cool gift for your, you know, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, what have you, um, you know, engagement gift for your cousin in Oregon, they probably have a school out there. So you can go on there. They just make awesome, cool, old kind of vintage sports apparel. It's good stuff. Rob and I both. It's not formulaic. What's so great is the JMU stuff looks nothing like, you know, the Wayne State stuff looks nothing like the other schools. Like it's so unique. It's really, they did a great job of digging into each school's sports culture and making shirts that appeal to it. Great stuff. I don't know if I told you, but I got a huge go Dukes down in South Carolina. Ah! In the college of Watson's backyard. I had my home field apparel, my, you know, um, 
Nice. My big Go Dukes shirt on. Yeah. And a guy saw it, you know, stopped, got the huge Go Dukes outside of a Starbucks. Um, yeah. Power outage situation. So I was there <laughs> with the entire island. Um, but yeah, it just, it, the stuff jumps out at you. It's really, really well made, super unique, and great designs. We love it. Thank you again to Homefield Apparel. And go use that code, Jamie Sports Blog, at checkout, 15% off your first purchase. I've always wondered, there's an old guy from the message boards. It's like Holy City Dukes or something. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like a Charleston guy. And I always wonder, like, I don't think I've ever met him. But I, <laughs> every time I've been down there, I'm like, I wonder if I'm just walking this. around. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's fun. So that's cool. Rob, so the next thing, we're going to do four questions. We're not going to do four downs from football. Before we get to talking to Sam, uh, we're going to do four questions about JMU football that I wanted to ask you. Uh, I'll probably be a little out of order because we already talked to Sam and I told him we'll talk about this later, but that's fine. Um, yeah. So first, if JMU loses this weekend to Richmond, Rob, are you, would you want them to make the playoffs? Would you be interested in them making the playoffs? Like, like will you watch the selection show on Sunday? Like, if they lose on Saturday, like, well, no to that. I will okay. not watch the selection show if they lose. Okay. I, I, okay. Um, I guess. I mean, it's a podcast. We got to have an opinion. We can't just sit on the fence. Nobody's going to want to hear that. But right. <laughs> I actually think I might be more interested in them huh. playing. Wow. In a weird way. Because okay. if they lose, and knock on wood, you know, say a prayer, uh-huh. please hope that doesn't happen. But if they lose, uh-huh. and it's due to poor play at the quarterback position, or I would actually, I would relish the opportunity to get another game or games to see if we could figure that out going into the fall. So I, I think my, my expectations might change. It wouldn't be like, oh, we got to avenge this, we got to win. I'd be like, okay, we, we got to. We got to get back out there and kind of get the taste of our mouth and figure out who is going to play quarterback or figure out whatever else. I shouldn't pin it all on quarterback. That's mm-hmm. just that seems to be the the flavor du jour with JMU. But you, you got to figure this out. Like I don't want to end with a loss to the Spiders, no matter what. That's just unacceptable. <laughs> no, no. Um, but if you do, it's like it, you almost get in the situation then where you're just playing with house money, and you go, okay, great. Now we've got another opportunity to get out there and prove and. I would think not going undefeated in this season would be a disappointment for me. Mm-hmm. Even after seeing the way Jamie played, it would be a disappointment. That was my expectation. They were going to go in and they were going to go 8-0 and go into the playoffs. And blah, blah. Well, if that didn't happen, then yeah, we got some stuff to work out. So I would absolutely want them to keep playing. Mm-hmm. I would not be in the camp of like, shut it down. It's not worth it. It's a great. Okay, maybe we're not a championship team. Mm-hmm. If you don't beat Richmond, you're probably not a championship team. We want to be a championship program play more games, figure this stuff out and, and set yourself up for success in the fall. Mm-hmm. What about you? That's a good, uh, yeah. I, I, you may have persuaded me there because I was kind of of the opinion when I wrote the question, when I was thinking about this, yeah. that maybe I didn't, maybe if they lost this week, I mean, I look, it all kind of depends on the nature of the game too. Yeah. You know, I mean, if it's a, you know, a CAA ref show and they lose on a 49 yard field goal at the gun, you know, and I'm frustrated by the whole outcome, not because they played poorly, but because of whatever job inside. Yeah. yeah, whatever I then th- then I might feel a little differently. But if they go out there and lose like 28, 10. You know, I was kind of thinking like, nah, I think I'm about done with this spring season. Um, but you make a pretty good case, Rob, for. You know, now, look, if they go out and lose 28, 10, they may not make the field. So 
Yeah. We may not have to worry about it. But you're right that we are kind of at a point where we, whichever quarterback is the right answer, we haven't seen much of them. <laughs> you know, yeah. we've seen a half, for, essentially a half from Gage and one game from Cole. So if uh, of quality play from each player. So, it, you know, if we were to, at this point, it does feel a little bit like any reps are good reps, maybe. Um, yeah, exactly. Like yeah. If, if they go out and don't win on Saturday, I kind of feel like, oh, wow, we didn't learn anything. We didn't learn anything except something is missing for the fall. Right. Should be an opportunity to go out and answer some of those things or, or get rid of some of those unknowns. Yeah, you absolutely take it. Mm-hmm. And I think no matter what, JMU should be good enough to be competitive in a first round game. Mm-hmm. You know, with regionalization, they're not going to yeah. JMU, Richmond, don't, you're not going to draw North Dakota State or South Dakota State. So you're going to get an opportunity to go out there and have a good, solid, competitive game in round one. So yeah, I, I would actually take it. If they, if they lose, I yeah. I would be, be very much in favor of getting out there again. And yeah, it'd be interesting because they might, uh, we'll see. I, I don't want to take anybody for granted in this playoff season. But And you guys will hear from Sam in a little while. I, I think this question's a little more it is more important now than I actually thought when I wrote it, when we wrote it today, right? Which like I I was thinking this is a play-in game, but I will ask that. I mean, that leads us kind of into our second question, Rob. It is Richmond this weekend. It is RU, right? It is the spatters, the ticks. Um, You know, I'm glad that they were willing to reschedule it. I think it was in Richmond's interest uh, to reschedule this game as well as JMU's in the sense that I, I don't know that Richmond was going to the playoffs without this win. Um, and they very much will go to the playoffs if they win this game. So there was incentive for them. But does this help at all, Rob? I, I know it helps me. That's what I would say is I, if we were playing William & Mary or Elon this weekend, I would not be nearly as reinvigorated for the remaining season. As It, it does help a little bit that we're somewhat starting the playoffs with Richmond, you know? Does that yeah. help you at all? Like, Yeah, it does. It does. It, it's not as much the opponent as just having a game. Like what gets me about the season is the breaks. Mm-hmm. If we were coming directly off the William & Mary win, going right. right into Richmond, I would be all in. Yep. The break took a little bit of wind out of my sails. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it is Richmond. You, you always want to beat Richmond. I can't stand Richmond. Yeah. I do think that they are a little bit in, in their situation playing with house money. Nobody thought they'd do anything this yeah. year. Nobody was thinking playoffs. So, like, if they lose, it's they'd never admit it. But the state of the programs are, are so different that, yeah, it's like they have nothing to lose by going out there and playing this mm-hmm. and losing. It's like, big deal. Okay. So, we had a one loss season. We competed. Uh, we put ourselves in position for playoffs. Jamie, it's a little bit different. There, there's mm-hmm. a lot more on the line. And mm-hmm. granted, as you know, Sam will talk to us about, there is the scenario where, where the loser gets in. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't want to count on that by any means, but yeah. So it's, to answer your question, I'm absolutely excited for them, but given all of the breaks, I haven't paid as much attention to them. Yeah. I know they've got kind of a wonky record as well. What are they like? Three and oh, three and oh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely helps, but it's not the same thing as well. She's coming out of this. This is the point of season where I would start to get excited and look ahead. As much as I would claim that I wasn't looking ahead and be weak, once Jamie gets to like that 
four and oh five and oh type situation yeah. normal season that's when i start looking ahead being like okay now, now we're in contention for a seed so it's kind of weird to be in that like with the rival going in and then you come out it's like oh, season's over now playoffs so, but <laughs> yeah. there's there's benefit in that too that's fun as well uh-huh. um but it's just different but to answer your question yeah it does make a difference absolutely yeah. Well, and unless we get Monmouth or Delaware in the first round, if JMU were to make the playoffs, it's likely we're going to get a an interesting, at least someone new, right? We're not going to play Colgate again. We're not going to play Liberty again. Like, we're going to play maybe Davidson, maybe VMI, maybe Sacred Heart, right? Maybe ETS, maybe Mercer. Yeah. Um, you know, like, unless, it's... We don't. We won't know for sure till Sunday if JMU can win on Saturday. Um, but I am kind of excited for that. I am I, like I would be. I would be reasonably okay with playing VMI or Davidson. It, you know, just for a change of, you know, if Holy Cross comes down here, uh, Rob. I know, you know, you got like I, I don't yeah. know if they will, but I mean, they're well. They got to beat Bug now, but right. Um, so we'll we'll see um, how that goes. Okay, Rob, my other question is, I didn't see, so I think Signetti talked a little bit on the CAA call today, mm-hmm. but I didn't hear anything definitive. Taking out whatever is out there, who's the quarterback? Who would you like to be the quarterback this week? Like, assuming both guys are cleared to play from a injury and health standpoint, right? I, this... This actually is a little bit of a tough question, right? I, <laughs> oh, it's it's an incredibly tough question. Yeah. It's incredibly tough. I don't know because I don't know who's yeah. gotten reps in practice. Yeah. My assumption is that if we go back to the beginning of the year, that Cole has had more reps with the ones mm-hmm. than Gage. Mm-hmm. So by that logic, like, okay, it's, we don't really know what, what Gage has. We saw him play well in relief, but that was – kind of an odd situation was it just like people you know you have those situations yeah. where people get injured and they come in and elevates the team people mm-hmm. i don't know but then most recently we saw a full 60 minutes from cole yeah I, i'd probably go with cole and i know a lot of people disagree with me because we've seen his warts we haven't seen gauges but we've also seen him put together a full a full game we haven't seen gauge do that so i'd, I'd go with cole i, I think i agree um, which is unusual for me, who feels like usually the guy who goes the other way here. Yeah. And, I, and it's so weird, right? Because Gage played the Elon game and Signetti named him the starter for the games that were never played. And normally you, I think we both generally don't like to see guys lose their job to injury yeah. or bad health or whatever it is, you know. But that was an injury. That was just... No. He just, he well, no, pulled, no, no, no. But what I meant is Gage. Oh, the other one, like, Gage, yeah. Gage had kind of been named the starter. Yeah. But he was named the starter off of a half or a quarter and a half. And and then he couldn't play. And then we saw the best performance we've seen this spring from Cole. Mm-hmm. Like for, the team looked great in the William Mary game. And I think what you and I, I think I feel the same way as you, which is give me more of that. Yeah. <laughs> like don't change anything from that game. Whatever you did for the William Mary game, I'd like to see that again on Saturday. <laughs> and again, it, it goes back to something we've said on earlier episodes where it might be tied to the fact that Signetti said that was the first time he actually was coaching coaching, mm-hmm. and not managing. And so Signetti coaching plus Cole, we see that, okay, big win. Mm-hmm. Great. Let's run out there again. 
I would go call. I would have a short hook, and and if he had, you know, a costly turnover, or more importantly, if he just didn't look like he had confidence or he was a little bit shaky or not, uh-huh. not really assured himself, I'd pull him. Um, yeah. And then you've got a whole different problem going into the playoffs if you make it, but deal with that, like survive in advance. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. yeah I think that's great. And then I, I was trying to think, Rob. You know, what do you think about this? Like, what do you, you know? What's best case, worst case this weekend? It's kind of our last fourth question here. You know, like, uh, there's a part of me that's kind of ready to get revved up for this. It's Richmond. Yeah. We looked good last time out. There's a selection show on Sunday. Um, I, I don't know. We get to, we're get we done with flow for the year. Well, that's <laughs> like, the right, thing like, 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 yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I mean, best case and only case is beating Richmond. I don't want to think about alternatives. Like, okay, it's not. I'm not going to feel like, oh, silver lining or competitive, or they play well. That that doesn't appeal to me. You got to beat Richmond, and yeah. and I'm not just saying that. Like, I really, I, I do not like Richmond. I don't like <laughs> the idea of losing to Richmond. Jamie's got to beat Richmond. Um, mm-hmm. I think the best case is just what you laid out. Like, we see more of Cole, and we start to be like, oh wow, okay, this perfect time. This team actually is good. And this team is worth paying attention to. And wow, what a what a great piece of timing. Now it's the playoffs. Because mm-hmm. I think th- yeah. the issue with the season is it hasn't really clicked. Mm-hmm. We're still kind of in that phase where it's in a normal year where you've got like a couple blowout wins and then maybe you knock off whatever, a, a Stony Brook. And it's like, okay, well, we're 3-0 and and fans will start to pay attention more. And then you get to what I said before where you're looking yeah, yeah. ahead. We haven't even reached that point yet. So it's weird, but like a big win, a big blowout win against Richmond would really kind of prime the pump heading the playoffs. But this is a playoffs like no others. It would almost be like a preseason. Like that was a round robin play. And now we're moving to the, well, quite literally to the knockout stage. But mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like from a World Cup perspective, yeah. um, I'd be excited. I'd be really excited. But it wouldn't be at all analogous to any other season or any other experience. It, it's This is a standalone thing for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I think I you're right. Just, It's weird. (laughs) This whole thing, (laughs) everything about this season is so messed up. I guess for me, I mean, worst case is they look like crap this week. They look like they don't care. Mm -hmm. You know, we're back in the quarterback quandary and maybe they don't make the field on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So we don't even get to like sort that out again uh, next week. I, I don't know what the best case is. I will say that William and Mary game is such a tease. From a few weeks ago. Yeah. Because now you can start to see a situation where like maybe they win by 15 this weekend mm-hmm. and then they put the clamps on a VMI or a Davidson. That's an overmatched team. And then they go steal one at Delaware. And suddenly we're starting to talk about like, you know, we're down to the heart of this thing, right? We're in the semifinals or something. Yeah. And, and I will say in a weird way, we're going to talk about those Sam later, but JMU, to win the national championship, they would only play nine games. If my math is correct, which it's not always, but I think so. They'd, this would be 5-0, and oh, and They're then there would be four playoff week, games, yeah. right? Yeah. So even to make the semifinals would only have played eight games. And I think we had real concerns coming into the season about eight plus four, about 12 games. We had real concerns about 10, 11, 12, whatever that game was added to the fall season. And now suddenly it didn't feel quite as horrible from a 
physical toll standpoint on these particularly kids. with the breaks where you've yeah, had and, people and that recover goes, yeah and that goes not just for jmu but for richmond for delaware for ndsu for weber state for everybody out there like most everybody's in the same boat almost every team's in the same situation um it, it, i don't know the moral quandary question is is lessened a little bit by this and and i think that goes to your point too about if even if they lost on saturday you know, if they played a sixth game, that might be good for JMU, given the way this season has gone, right? If they got into the playoffs, even if they lost in a first round game, you know, like that might be a good thing for figuring out where you are in the fall. Yeah, it would, I mean, it'd be a little bit of hindsight is twenty twenty, but it would just turn this into a mm-hmm. really extensive and maybe informative spring, <laughs> spring, spring football. Yeah, yeah, spring yeah. Ball. Right, right. And it, I can actually like in a weird way, if JMU you know, hopefully they win this weekend and then they get hot and go on a little run. If they made it to the semis and then bowed out, I know a lot of people would be devastated. Yeah, success. I would be too. But I would be able to talk myself into, even though they were ne- ranked number one from the majority of the year, mm-hmm. into them overachieving given yeah. the circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, given that they, they really didn't look good. Mm-hmm. And we've had enough time pass between, you know, the Elon and, and Robert Morris games. We can admit, like, they just didn't look good. Mm-hmm. They didn't look like anything like a number one team. They didn't look like a top 10 team. Mm-hmm. Um, against William Mary, okay, that that's the JMU team. If, if we had, if we were going into Richmond this weekend with four versions of the, you know, William Mary game, we'd be all in and let's go. And then the bar is set differently. But right now, you know, if they can beat Richmond, get in the playoffs, make the semifinals, at that point, it's just kind of like, it's all gravy. Uh, I think so, too. Well, and I know? think that's the first point where we would have no idea what they're up against. None whatsoever. You know, in the sense that, like, we, we expect JMU to get a home game. There's this weird nonsense with the NCAA already where bids have been accepted for home games, and who knows what that all looks like. I I have to assume that JMU has a competitive chance to be hosting for quite a while if they were to win on Saturday, uh, which would likely mean they have a – a game they'll be favored in first. Yeah. And then I don't know if they play Delaware the second week. I don't know whether that's at JMU or at Delaware, but that's a tough game. That is. You know, and if they were to, pl- if they won that game, if they won a quarterfinal game against a Delaware or a Monmouth or, you know, a team like that, at that point, it's good season. Yeah, it's a good, good season, season, right? And, 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 and we, who knows what happens after that? Cause that's when all the Dakotas and Sam Houston and everybody starts you know, stepping up. So I, who knows where people have to travel or what the situation is. So I'm with you. I think that's a good way of looking at it, Rob. Now I got a question for you. Yeah. If JMU or NDSU does not win this year, do you think that legitimizes the season or illegitimizes it? Like does, does that improve the way fans or outsiders view the FCS or is it like, hmm. uh, not one of the top teams? That's a good question. Um, it's funny because I think for hardcore fans, for the, you know, we're going to talk, it's going to hear from Sam in a second. Like, I think for the people who follow this sport FCS level really closely, I don't think it would, I, look, it would suck if like JMU or NDSU got in the playoffs and then they had COVID and they couldn't play. Yeah, assume they play. Like, yeah, but assume they like, play and they results lose. Results are on, results. And somebody else wins. I, I think, I think for the hardcore FCS fan, it's a legitimate title if they play four playoff games, yeah. whoever they play. Like if they, if a team plays four playoff games, that's a legitimate title, especially if it's a school like SDSU or Weber 
or SAM, right? If it's one of these programs that you've like has been on the doorstep for a little bit, I mean, even a Monmouth or a Delaware, right? If they get on a run, like a team that you're like, okay, that's a good team. Um, good for them. You know, look, if things go totally out of control and I don't know. Yeah. I, I think for the outsider though, for the casual college football fan or the casual FCS fan, I think it'll be a hard stigma to overcome. Right. I mean, it could be better it, it, if it's one of the kind of contender teams. Like you that's mentioned. what I would say. Yeah. If like, South Dakota state beat Sam Houston. I'd actually argue for the general public general fan, that's probably better than another JMU NDSU matchup as much as people don't want <laughs> yeah, to hear yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's good to get some new blood in there. The example used of a Monmouth. No, that's, that, no. that that's just like Cinderella shouldn't happen to that degree. In right. football. We haven't gotten our head around that. I mean, but it would be nice if they did, but it just, we don't work that way in a bowl game scenario. Yeah, you can do it. But to go through, I think then you start to look at like, yeah, it's a little bit fluky. This whole season's weird. But I actually think if we get, you know, the 16 teams versus 24, mm-hmm. it's tough. There's going to be some decent teams. You know, there'll be good teams. They might not have amazing resumes, and it might not be as obvious as other years. But there's going to be good teams left out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just going to be harder to tell because they might be 3-2, and two, and nobody's going to be up in arms about that. But if you have, like, a, you know, the, those other teams, like you mentioned, hanging around, I think that's ultimately probably pretty good for the game. For FCS, we all want to see JMU and SU, or certainly everybody listens to this podcast. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, but overall, like, I, there's something to be said for for getting some new blood, and w- in a year when there might be new eyes on this, mm-hmm. like if JMU doesn't win, then I absolutely do not want NSU to win. <laughs> like that's, and, and just that's the my heart talking, but also like my brain is saying it would be really nice if it was something different. If you could maybe get like an NSU losing an epic game like jamie when jamie beat him i thought that was the perfect scenario if you're a fan of fcs football jmu going into ndsu and you know slaying the giant in the semifinals yes on that's, the, that's great if we could have a situation like that this year like if jamie does not win mm-hmm. that is my ideal scenario where you have other really strong programs knocking off uh Again, like I don't want Jamie to lose, but if they do lose, yeah, have them lose in an epic game against a, a worthwhile contender. And same thing with NUCU. But I don't want to lose to Delaware. <laughs> no, I don't either. Well, I, mean, no. I, don't. I mean, that's that's um, that's unsettling. I also um, will say I will take my chances with Cole Johnson, Gage Maloney over Zeb Mol- Zeb Noland at this point. Um, oh yeah, in terms of pure QB, Jamie, QB? NDSU thing. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but I think but that's I, probably I don't right. Think the, I don't think JMU and DSU is the play this year. I really no, don't. No, I don't I, either. I think, you know, it's like they're, they're great programs, deservedly mm-hmm. so, and everybody talks about them being contenders. And, yeah, in a normal year, um, we'd all be looking that way. But I think over a normal year, this would play itself out. Yes. Like, you know, you know, this it wouldn't just be these two teams. Well, and we'll get to this next weekend when we get if we get a bracket and JMU's in the bracket, we will have a lot of bracket discussion next weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but Rob, you know, one interesting thing about the sixteen team playoff. So it's going to be, on one hand, it's going to be watered down because you're going to have the automatic qualifiers from the one bid leagues be 
a, a greater percentage of the teams that are in the playoffs. But the but on the other hand is are, are going to be yeah, conversely. Yeah. Those teams, once they are removed in the first week or two, like in a normal year where you have all the team 24 teams, you get some upsets in the first couple weeks and the quarterfinals get a little, there's a few games that are pretty lopsided where this year I feel like whoever the quarterfinal semifinal rounds are going to be a bloodbath this year. They should (laughs) be. They should be. Except for the fact that you don't know, we don't know. Right. I mean, when that's you think of traditionally like how good is Delaware? How good is JMU? I mean, how, how these good teams is Sam Houston? Come, Sam Houston. Yeah. Where you come in like, man, that team looked really good for four games. Right. So, you know, are exactly. they much better than, than a SOCON team or a, you know, clearly I would think I will, I will stake my reputation on the fact that I think Delaware is better than your pioneer, you know, automatic qualifier. Oh, yeah. 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 But how much better? I don't know. You know, I, I think Delaware, Delaware looks to me like the type of team that they could really get it going, you know, over a 10-week regular season. Oh, I mean, it looks like a, a – even this year, right? I mean, like nothing would – well, let's just say it this way. There would probably be eight to ten teams when the bracket comes out on Sunday that would not surprise me if they made a run to the final. Right, a Delaware Jacksonville State championship would not be the most like shocking thing in the world, and that's that's the benefit of this crazy spring season. Right, like, it, it really is like anybody's ball game. Yeah, I mean, a Weber State Sam Houston final is not in any way out of the question. You know, no, like it's, it might like, be likely and that. Yeah, so that is the kind of thing that. Yeah, you're right. That could be good for the game. So it'll be fun to see all of that and. Ultimately, what will be good for the game is competitive games. Competitive yes. fun games that end up in Sports Center top 10 that, that distract people when they're watching, you know, the Nuggets versus Jazz. You know, you can break in on a Friday night. You just need competitive games. And in the spring, that will move the needle more so than maybe in, you know, in November, December. Oh, yeah. Well, and what we would all love to see, I mean, more than anything is – they're going to play this game, the championship game in Frisco on May 16th on a Sunday. Sunday, yeah. At like a traditional NFL kickoff time. We're not going to have the 12 p.m. It's a little later. It's at like 1 or 2 Eastern mm-hmm. on a Sunday in the middle of May. Like if they hit it right, and they're going to play it on ABC this year. Like if they hit it right. I mean, you're basically competing against local baseball. Yeah. And NASCAR. I mean, it's, it's yeah, I mean, you've got the opportunity the playoffs for, like, for like basketball and hockey, but you're not there. And you're not, also not, you're there, but you're not like, you're like, it's early in the day. Like it's not, you know, most of those are night games, even then on Saturdays. Like, yeah, you're going to yeah, hit a lot of Sunday well. couch surfers. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is a thing that could, could, um, yeah, you know, if they, if they get the right teams in there, um, could really work out. So who knows? I, I, I don't know. I watched uh, big credit, by the way, I, I'm a lot of hate on Delaware credit to Delaware. They went to Delaware state this weekend and played. That was really cool. It was really cool. Uh, they went to Dover first time in their history. at Delaware state. First time that, yeah, the university of Delaware has ever gone to Delaware state. That was pretty cool. Um, yeah. They, they didn't, didn't probably play their best game Delaware, but still won handily. Um, but yeah, very cool to see. That's the kind of thing you love to see in the spring season. Um, you know, it's the equivalent of when, a couple of years ago when JMU went to Norfolk State. 
And, you know, some of us as fans, you know, complained. And unfortunately, the game got rained out a little bit at halftime or whatever. But not even no, but quarter, I think, yeah. Those are important games for the the way your school positions itself in the state capital. <laughs> yeah. You know, that doesn't have anything to do with football sometimes. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, good for Delaware and Dell State. Um, I don't think I have anything else, Rob. I just big thanks to Mossy Creek Fly Fishing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. As always, sticking with us. Uh, go by, get set up with whatever you need. Mention the podcast and you will get a free sticker from Mossy Creek. Uh, probably going to see those guys again this weekend, hoping to. Um, oh, nice. Need to get, uh, someday I'm going to get fishing, Rob. One of you guys will teach me well, someday. I got no. well, not me. Um, if you have a choice between learning from me or learning for uh, mm-hmm. Ryan or Colby, it's, do it for that. <laughs> no, no, no. I just want to be out there at some point. Yeah, I got extra rods, man. Yeah, I got, I got a, I got a five weight you up. could use. I got yeah. a, I got a bunch. So yeah, I need this. Um, yeah. Well, everything going all right with you, Rob? Yeah, yeah, it's Good. going well. Good. So. This has been fun talking. Uh, I guess we're gonna we're gonna give you guys the Sam interview, um, and then we'll come back. At, I don't know how do you want to do this, Rob. Should we wrap this up now, or well, you want to come back to the quick OT yeah, and yeah, yeah. wrap it up? So, we'll yeah. do it that so, way. All right, we'll see you guys on the other side. Cool. Thanks. And welcome back to the JMU Sports Blog Podcast. Um, Todd and Rob, as always, we are thrilled tonight to be joined by, I don't know what to call him, but he is definitely the best FCS writer in the country. Um, we're really glad to have Sam Herter from Hero Sports and BetMGM uh, joining us tonight. I, I said to Sam before we got started, I said, uh, you know, Rob and I have had a lot of fun. We've gotten to know Brian over the years. We've met Sam a couple times in Frisco, um, and we usually talk to Brian, but he's not doing FCS. and and Sam, I think you have literally watched the most spring FCS football of anyone on the planet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I like Rob and I, we, we've watched a little CAA when we can this year, but with all the pauses and the starts and stops, and, and I don't think either of us have any idea what Pluto TV is. I know most people don't know what flow TV is. Um, yeah. Like how has it been just like covering FCS this spring first? Like how weird is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so it was it was weird to start, uh, and and you know, first off, I want to appreciate you guys uh, having me on the podcast here. It's it's great to talk some some FCS with you guys. But I mean the 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 first two weeks of the season, which I I think the first two weeks started in in February, like that was weird uh, a little bit. But I it kind of you know once I hit the third week, it really wasn't all that weird anymore as far as just the flow of the week. Um, you know, watching games all day Saturday, then rewatching some games on Sunday and kind of putting together playoff resumes and top 25 <laughs> ballots. And then, you know, Monday through Friday, just kind of doing the normal routine. So as far as the, the, the actual like season Monday through Sunday, like it felt a little normal. The only weird part was like, I, f- it felt like I was spending more time, you know, Monday through Thursday, keeping track of which games are happening, which games aren't happening, who's opting out, you know, are there any player opt outs more so than like really diving into to matchups because the first few weeks I would really dive into, 
you know, whatever matchup there was, there, there was uh, out there. And then all of a sudden I, I get to Friday and that game gets postponed. Uh, and so I, you know, I spent all that time, you know, really for nothing. And so it, that was the weird part is kind of spending more time paying attention to what's going on off the field than on, than on the field. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. You said that because, because coach Signetti kind of had the same thing with JMU. He said, you know, prior to the William Mary game, he felt like he was spending all his time on COVID protocols and not on coaching. So I think that's kind of a neat parallel, but um, I got to ask, we, we got to ask this, Sam, you know, with your, um, can you guys hear me? Mm-hmm. It's coming. Uh, we got to ask, it's a JMU podcast. I saw your rankings. You got JMU seventh. I, I got to say off the bat, I got no problem with that. I, I think like Todd said, you watch a lot of games. Um, I think you've got probably a more objective perspective than those of us that just tune into CA. But what is it that you have seen? Um, and I'd like to ask pointedly, like, Weber's, Weber State's played a lot of close games. Jimmy has as well. Can you just say from somebody who has watched a lot of football what you see the differences between like a Weber State, for instance, that's winning some nail biters and JMU that is maybe winning some nail biters, um, both in strength of schedule and what you're seeing on the field? Yeah, so it's doing a top 25 is very, very hard uh, this spring. And so especially when, I mean, there was a time when there was like a three week period where North Dakota State, South Dakota State, UND and James Madison, like didn't play at all, like a a two, (laughs) three week period. Mm -hmm. And so like it was, so my plan with JMU was because those two games against, uh, you know, against Robert Morris, wasn't all that impressed with what JMU did there. Uh, The next week against Elon, uh, you know, a, a team that got hammered by Gardner Webb the the week prior. Um, you know, Elon nearly knocked off JMU, so I was kind of sitting there. Yeah, JMU was three and zero, but you know, just really not looking all that sharp. And so I think I had them, you know, number eight or or, or number seven. Obviously, took a couple of weeks off and then played again March twenty seventh against William and Mary and looked really good. Looked like the yeah. JMU team we expected. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I think I slid JMU up one spot, but my mindset was okay, that's one good game. I want to see them do it one more time against a Richmond team yeah. that's ranked. Yeah. Well, three weeks later, you know, JMU still hasn't played. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so over these last three weeks, I haven't really had a reason to slide JMU up. You know, it's hard to slide them, you know, past number six UND because UND hasn't, you know, played either. And so if I did slide JMU up, people would, you know, you know what was the reason for that? And you're like, I don't really have a reason yeah. for Just it. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, you know, it, I, I kind of did the same thing, uh, you know, with Weber State um, uh, a little bit. I, I dropped them two spots, uh, two or three spots. And, you know, a lot of Weber State fans were wondering, you know, how, how can you drop a team if, if you if you win? And I don't really have that mindset of, you know, if a team wins, they can't drop. I, it's kind of – I kind of refresh my ballots uh, every week and reanalyze things. And, you know, mm-hmm. Weber State had – two or three ugly wins in a row and so and they were number one for me for a while but after you know their third ugly win i said you know what i, I don't think if they played i don't think weber state would beat or i don't think weber state would beat south dakota state i don't think weber state would beat north dakota state and so i slid those two teams uh above weber state yeah so i mean i, I agree with you and i just i wanted to give you a chance to explain yourself because i think a lot of people certainly in jamie land <laughs> have this gut reaction that you know, if jamie's winning we shall never fall below you know two or three it's a and it's kind of nice to hear from somebody who's seen that there is more to to FCS than just JMU and North Dakota State trying to get to Frisco. Um, so, so that certainly seems fair. And yeah, I, I, I've had the same concerns, but about JMU's play and didn't think they were living up potential, except that William Mary game. I certainly thought they did. But I'm right there with you. It's like 
let's let's see it a couple times before we just declare everything's fine. So I, yeah, I appreciate and, your candor on that. Yeah, and I I mean we just don't know. I mean, really a whole lot about, you know, how good JMU is. I mean, they could be the best team in the country. They could also lose to Richmond. And I think if they lose to Richmond, they still will make the playoffs. And maybe they get matched up against, uh, you know, VMI. Then they make it to the quarterfinals. But then they lose to, um, you know, I, I don't, maybe the they Delaware get matched up with Delaware. Yeah. I did lose to Delaware. And all, and all of a sudden it's okay. Maybe JMU wasn't, you know, a top five team. We, we just don't. Yeah. Really, no. Same thing with UND. Like, how good is UND? The last we saw them was a month ago, and they got hammered by North Dakota State. Um, and then NDSU looked like world beaters against UND, and then they barely beat a UNI team. Um, I mean, South Dakota looked phenomenal the last time they played against Southern Illinois. You know, hammered them. That was a great ranked win. And then their last two games uh, get canceled. And then Weber State keeps on winning, but they're barely edging squeakers, one in yeah. three teams. Yeah, so it's – I don't know – who the best team is in in the country, which kind of makes it exciting going into the playoffs. Cause I think it's, it's pretty wide open. Yeah. Oh yeah. More so than it has been in recent years for sure. So that's an interesting question, Sam. And Rob and I are going to touch on this on our own a little later, I think. Um, but you think I, I heard you say this. So I, I guess I'll just start here. The bubble seems a little softer today than we thought maybe it was going to be even just three or four weeks ago. Um, I guess we'll start with the technicality. As I understand it today, the MIEC is not getting an automatic qualifier again, right? Is that correct? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah so the MIEC, the MIEC does not have an AQ. Um, they didn't, then they did, uh, and they really did the whole time, but now they officially don't. Um, so it's 10 auto bids and six at large bids. Okay. So there's one extra bid from what we thought like two or three weeks ago. And a couple of things happened this past week. Um, you know, the Monmouth route of Kennesaw um, sticks out. The Some of the stuff that happened in SoCon with uh, ETSU, you know, like going down, like a few more of the maybe they were going to get an at-large bid or steal a bid have gone away a little bit. Um, so, and you just said you think maybe JMU gets in with even a loss to Richmond is that I mean do you think the CAA I mean I I know it there's a Villanova you know Villanova Delaware there's some other teams who are still you know obviously have strong cases elsewhere um but are you seeing the CAA I mean I think Rob and I had been thinking all year and most JMU fans like only the winner of the south and only the winner of the north are going to get in there's only two bids for the CAA but do you, or if there it, were three, it would probably be from the north. That's sort of what we the, the second yeah, from the that, north. That, yeah. that does. Um, but now maybe I don't know. I mean, kind of it's it, it's the door is open for potentially three bids from the CAA now, two at larges. Is that kind of the way you're thinking about? It? I mean, it looks like there's probably three from the valley, but I was looking at it today. I mean, Big Sky gets two, and that's about like I don't know where the other bids come from, right? Yeah, so I think as far as the at-large bids, I think the CAA will get two, um, so three total bids, but two at-large bids. I think the Valley will get two at-large bids. Mm -hmm. I think the Big Sky is guaranteed to have one, Eastern Washington, and then that sixth one, uh, you know, it could be a SoCon team, but it could be, you know, I mean, Missouri State is five and one, and they have a share of the Valley, so maybe they also have three or four losses from the fall, so their overall record doesn't look great. But, I mean, I think... I do think the CAA is all but guaranteed to get three total teams in. Wow. 
Um, you know, I, I put the scenario w- when it was announced that Richmond and JMU were going to play, I put it out there that if JMU loses, the committee might have a reason to leave the Dukes out. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't think it would happen, but, you know, and I got some pushback saying, no, JMU is guaranteed to, to get into the field no matter what. And I was saying, not necessarily. Like, if JMU loses, there's a 75% chance they were in the field. But if JMU loses, Richmond is undefeated. Let's say Villanova beats Delaware. Villanova is definitely in. I think Delaware with one loss is is pretty good. So from so there, then it comes down to Delaware versus GMU uh, for that for that third overall spot. Uh, I mean, who has the better resume? I probably, Delaware, probably Delaware. No, certainly, but again, yeah. But but again, we know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, right. Name recognition goes a long way. And would a three and one James Madison team really get left out of the field? I mean, same reason why, if, you know, if kind of the same reason out of the OVC, you know, we were, I was saying that if, if Murray State gets the auto bid, Jacksonville State is definitely going to get in at large because of Jacksonville State. But if Jacksonville State gets uh, the AQ, Murray State isn't going to get the at-large bid. And so people were cheering for Jacksonville State to beat Murray State, which is what did happen, and JSU has the auto bid. So, yeah, name recognition, name brand goes a long way. So, like I said, I do think JMU is in even with a loss. Yeah. But it's Uh, not guaranteed. Right, yeah. No, and actually we're going to talk about later on our own about whether we want – if JMU lost, do we want them in? (laughs) Like, you know, there's a part of us that, like, feels like this is kind of fun. I will say, like, this season has – Really, fall. Rob and I were like you. We started the first three weeks. We got it back in the routine. We were having fun with the season. And then we had the first pause and the team wasn't playing very well. And it has been tough for us to think about whether this season, what, what is the value in the season? What do we care about as fans? And um, it, it, I will say it's not having it be Richmond. That is the rescheduled game. So it's kind of a rivalry game um, for us is a big, like, that helps reinvigorate the season a little bit, but yeah. if JMU were to go out and look poor again this weekend, I, I, I don't know how I've, how excited I would be. You know, well, they win that. this weekend and then they're hosting the following weekend. Obviously, I think it'd be pretty easy to get fully back in, but we'll see. Um, yeah, Sam. The one thing I wanted to ask you a couple of things. One is, have you seen? First thing, Davidson. So have they clinched the Pioneer League bid, or is it still up in the air with San Diego? That's one. Uh, it, it's wanna... it's still up in the air, I believe, because both teams have one loss, yep. um, and so all Davidson has to do is win, mm-hmm. um, and they and then they would uh, they would clinch it because they have the tiebreaker. But if they lose and San Diego wins, then San Diego has the one loss. Davidson has two total losses, so it's still up in the air. But all Davidson has to do is win, and, and they're in. Well, and I, asked, their own destiny. Yeah, yeah. And, and I asked it because I was kind of interested in asking you, it's one of the cool things about the spring season for all of the <laughs> horrendousness for sort of the traditional fan bases. It's pretty cool that VMI, Davidson, Sacred Heart, maybe Holy Cross are all in a position to go to the playoffs. And those are schools that we, I mean, in some cases, like never hear about, <laughs> you know, um, on the national radar. And I was just wondering, like, have you seen any of those teams? And, you know, in particular, I, I, I mean, VMI Davidson, you know, it would not be out of the question for them to come to JMU or come to Richmond uh, for sure. If that's the scenario that plays out, um, you know, what have you gotten to see any of them? And, and what do you think about that? Just the kind of variety of teams we might see 
in the spring playoff. Yeah, Davidson has a, a really good uh, rushing attack. They run kind of a, a form of the option, um, and they like they're the opposite of of San Diego. And and I don't have the the stats in, in front of me of of their game when Davidson did beat San Diego, um, but I it, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is they played like in 2018. And the stats were crazy. San Diego beat Davidson like fifty to forty-eight, and like and San Diego had like four hundred passing yards and like fifty rushing yards. And then it was it was the opposite for Davidson. Davidson had like three hundred and fifty rushing yards and like twelve passing yards. Mm-hmm. And so it, kind of a clash of style in the Pioneer League there. Um, but yeah, Davidson uh, runs the ball uh, really really well. Um, obviously you know non scholarship um, out of the Pioneer Football League, and then and then VMI, uh, they kind of you know, they, they kind of, they do the opposite of what a lot of, because when people think of the soul, kind of think of the option, uh, VMI is more of a spread passing attack. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, their, their quarterback, Reese Udinsky, he's kind of an interesting story because we've seen a lot of FCS to FBS transfers. Um, and he's one of them, but he decided to finish the spring season, uh, before transferring to Maryland in the fall. Unfortunately, he suffered a knee injury a few weeks ago. Um, I think it's an ACL, but they they think he should be back for the fall as far as Maryland. Um, but their backup came in. He's a freshman. He's played uh, really well as, um, as well. And they have a lot of great receivers. Um, I know uh, – uh, I'm for, I'm, is it Thornton? Yeah, for, for GMU. Yeah. He, he was he was at VMI. Yeah. And they have a lot of guys like him, uh, you know, quick, quick receivers, uh, other guys that are bigger downfield threats. And so uh, VMI is a, a pretty good passing offense. Yeah. Well, Sam, we should tip you off here. Um, VMI and James Madison, um, in the old days, they used to play. And, uh, you know, they're about, Every an hour, yeah. about an hour apart. And they have not played since one of the most storied incidents in James Madison history, um, which is the, I don't know what they call the first year class at VMI of Kidets. It's like, you know, they have a name like plebes or something, right? I mean, they have rats or, but the... Uh, the entire first year class beat up the Duke dog, tried to beat up the Duke dog and steal the head off the mascot at a game. And the James Madison football team then got in a huge fight with the VMI freshman class, like during the game. And this is like 25 years ago. This is like our time. Um, One of our friends was the Duke dog at the time. (laughs) And, And, uh, and they're trying to pull the hat to pull the head off the head off the Duke dog, which apparently is like not that's a you know big problem in mascot land. Um, and yeah, I think a lot of young student athletes were and on both sides were suspended and in trouble and all kinds of things. And uh, I don't think James Madison and VMI have played since then. Um, it would be interesting <laughs> that that would be a, a more spicy first round matchup than a lot of people realize actually if yeah. they were to play. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So um, two extremely different. Yeah, it, <laughs> it is fun to interact with uh, fan bases that are new to the playoff system. I remember a few years ago, I had to explain to Kennesaw State why them being eight and zero isn't better than, <laughs> you know, you know South Dakota State being six and two. Like they're yeah. it, they're it's you know unequal. And same thing with VMI. I do my bracketology every week, and one of their fan accounts, you know. <laughs> Asked me, he's like, "What's up with the infatuation of sending VMI to James Madison? Like, why is everyone?" I think we know who you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's and it's like, well, they're I think 100 miles, 80 miles away, like bus trips, and he's like, yeah. you know, "Why are they why are they busing teams?" It's like, well, 
the FCS doesn't make any money, so they're going to bust as many teams as possible. And so there's a lot of fresh blood uh, to the yeah. playoffs this year. Uh, you can look at that as a good and a bad way. I mean, because there, there's obviously no Sacramento State or Montana, Montana State in the bracket because they yeah. opted out. But at the same time, we have new blood uh, in the playoffs, and so that makes it a bit more exciting as well. For sure. Yeah, it's, I've got mixed feelings. Like it's weird with the with the short season and you know like a four zero resume against a six and two is tough. <laughs> but one thing I do kind of like is this return to the sixteen games. It it's much tougher. I feel like all the teams that make it in will have earned their way in. It's not going to be like some years where you have, I mean, quite honestly, a fifth CA team that you can debate the merits of a of a six and four team getting in over like a Kennesaw State type record. So I do like the fact that even in limited games there's really something to play for coming down in this last weekend yeah yeah definitely and i know some people have have asked or said it should be a sixth or that that 24 teams is too many and it should be whittled down to you know back to 16 the problem with that though is you know when you do a 16 team bracket you know those those one bid leagues are still going to want their auto bid so the patriot league the pioneer league you know, the NEC. And so the problem with that to making it permanently 16 is, you know, you could have the fourth place team in the CAA that's ranked number 10 get left out. Meanwhile, the the NEC champ who's ranked, you know, number 35 um, is in. And so I don't think it'll ever go to 16 unless some of these one big conferences say, yeah, we don't want to participate in the playoffs anymore, which I don't think would happen. And so, um, and then plus you have, um, you have the A-Sun and then the, the whack. I mean, they're, that's going to be two more auto bids uh, mm-hmm. in a couple of years. So then it'll be, it'd be 12 auto bids and 12 at-large bids uh, in a couple of years. Once those two conferences have their AQs. That's what, I, that was one of my last two that I wanted to ask you, Sam was the Southland slash all, all the churn down there. Right. Um, what are we like, is the Southland going to stick around? Are they going to have enough? It's them. That's kind of getting raided by the a sun, right? Am I, understanding that correctly so they they lost five teams uh four of them are the texas schools that went to the whack and then central arkansas who's been their best team uh they they went to the a sun um and one of the teams that went to the whack is sam houston uh so those are kind of like the two marquee schools out of the southland Mm -hmm. so i mean that they it's really Louisiana based now. The Southland is, I mean, they still have Nichols, uh, who's, yeah. you know, a pretty quality uh, program, Southeastern Louisiana, McNeese, they're, you know, decent programs, uh, but they're down to six teams now, which they're still fine at six teams. That's the minimum you need to have an AQ, but still you go from 11 to six and they're going to want to add at least two more teams. I don't know where those teams come from. Uh, there's obviously options D two schools in Texas, uh, maybe they can look to the the SWAC maybe, but again, I don't know if you want to leave the SWAC uh, right now just because that conference is, is doing some pretty big things with just kind of their overall uh, reputation uh, wise. So I don't know if any SWAC teams would, would want to leave for the Southland. And so, yeah, the, it's looking tough for the Southland, but I don't think it's in trouble of like, you know, completely going away or anything like that. And then the other thing I got to ask, Sam, um, you talked about, so in the big sky, we know that Weber is going to win it and Eastern Washington is likely going to get a bid. Um, kind of a interesting, I mean, there wasn't much going on there once UC Davis kind of didn't, you know, I mean, once they were out of the picture without the Montana schools, there wasn't much, but I got to ask about the Valley. So where do things stand and, you know, who are the teams 
that are going to come out of the Valley. Obviously, we know, I, I think we all have a sense of wh- where things stand with NDSU. Um, you know, but how is South Dakota State? And how is um, the other schools in the Valley? Like, who who do you expect to be a big player? And how good are those teams this year? I mean, what do you expect from them? Yeah, so there are four teams in playoff contention right now uh, out of the Valley, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, obviously. Uh, you have North Dakota and then Missouri State that we mentioned before, who's they, they're done for the regular season. They finished five and one, um, and so they've clinched a share of the Valley title um, already. UND is four and one. They play at Youngstown State. Uh, if UND wins, they finish five and one. They should be in the field. And then you have North Dakota State and South Dakota State. I, I think the winner of that game probably gets a top two seed. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if NDSU wins, they probably get the number one seed. Uh, I do think they would jump James Madison. I know the committee had JMU uh, number one uh, just because even if NDSU does have that one bad loss of Southern Illinois, but they also have five ranked wins compared yeah. to JMU would have one, assuming they beat uh, Richmond and like, I, I don't know, like I said, I, I don't know how good UND is. They had that phenomenal start where they beat South Dakota State, they beat Southern Illinois, but then they kind of came back to earth and, and got hammered by North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Um, I really don't know how good the Bison are, honestly. Uh, I mean, really, they, they're they're kind of like James Madison. You know, really good defense, uh, great rushing attack, uh, you know, just the quarterback position, you know, mm-hmm. you see some flashes, uh, you know, with Cole Johnson, you see some throws he makes where you go, okay, yeah, you know, that's the player we expected. Same thing with Zeb Nolan, you know, he makes a throw to Christian Watson and you go, okay, like that's, that's a big time throw right there. And then he throws an interception, you know, the, the next drive. And so I think that's, that's the thing with North Dakota state is just the quarterback play. Uh, I, South Dakota state looked really good. Like I said, against Southern Illinois, I mean, they blew out SIU. A few weeks ago, they have a great defense, a uh, true freshman quarterback that's looking really good. Uh, Pierre Strong Jr., uh, you know, All-American running back uh, for, for the Jacks. And so I think South Dakota State is a really balanced team. Uh, they just always, I mean, <laughs> we, we give Sam Houston a lot of crap for blowing out of the playoffs in ugly fashion. I mean, let's be fair, South Dakota State, when they exit the playoffs, it's been pretty ugly, too, in the last few years. And so they just they just always stumble in the playoffs. And so I don't know. They came to JMU, they had 10 turnovers. Like, how is that even possible? And that was supposed to be their best team in, like, ever. I mean, Taron Christian was a stud. Like, not that game, obviously. Jake Winicky, Dallas Goddard was a draft pick. Um, So, like, that was a good team. They just didn't look like it, obviously. That was ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and then I guess on that note, the one thing I got, what do you think about this? So SELA, Southeastern Louisiana, is going to SIU this weekend, right? In a, a patched together, very COVID-y game. Um, and I understand the desire from both programs, I think. I, I, I mean, I, I think both of them, you know, their coaches will tell you they have a chance to make the playoffs. Um do you think that either of those programs have a have a valid case? And and you know, despite whether they have a valid case, do they have a chance with the committee? <laughs> you know, Southern Illinois, no. I know in that video they released, uh, Nick Hill said, you know, another ranked win, give us a shot at the playoffs. I mean, they already have three losses. I understand they hammered North Dakota State, uh, but the committee is kind of what have you done for me lately? Um, and that was an early season win for SIU. And since then they've lost, uh, two times for three total 
losses. And so I think SIU is out no matter what, because they're just not going to jump Missouri State or any of the other three Dakota schools. Mm-hmm. Southern or Southeastern Louisiana has a chance. Um, you know, I from the start of the season, I said it's going to be hard for a two-loss team from the Southland or the SoCon or the OBC to make the field. But now, like, it might come down to, like, a two-loss Mercer team or a two-loss Southeastern Louisiana team just because they're, they're, those teams in those conferences are either undefeated or they they, or they have, you know, one loss um, or maybe even two losses. And if SLU beats Southern Illinois, they would finish 5-2 and two, uh, with two straight-ranked wins. They beat Nichols. Um, SIU is currently ranked. And so, you know... SLU, the Lions might have a chance to make the field if they do beat SIU. But as far as the Salukis, I think they're they're already out of contention. Yeah, that's a tough thing. I, I know. And then, um, Rob, I don't know about you, but I, my the one thing I wanted to ask you, Sam, is uh, just speculating here. But if you if you can't pick JMU and you can't pick NDSU, who do you like to win the whole thing this spring? I mean, assuming relative COVID health. Assuming, yeah. assuming well, yeah, playoffs, yeah. Yeah, everybody yeah. plays. Right. Yeah. Assuming they actually get to play their games, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, but probably if you South, two out, you think, yeah. Probably South Dakota States. Uh, I do feel like they are uh, overall probably the most balanced team. I don't really have a lot of question marks about South Dakota States. Uh, I mean, one of the best running backs in the FCS quarterback play has been strong. Uh, they still have some some good wide receivers. Uh, their defense was their best defense they've had uh, in years in 2019, and they have like nine returning starters from that 2019 defense. Um, you know, offensive line is always solid. Not their strength by any means, uh, but still a strong offensive line. Defensive line is really good as well. Um, and so, like, I like South Dakota State uh, if I'm not going to pick North Dakota State or James Madison. Um, and, I mean, we might see this weekend, too. I mean, I I'll, I think I'm leaning the Bison beating South Dakota State this weekend. But, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if South Dakota State wins, you know, 28 to 14. I mean, just because last we saw them, they looked really, really, really good. And so, um, even with NDSU and JMU, like, even if I had to include them, I, I still like South Dakota State as, you know, a legit team that could win it in Frisco. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm excited. I, I mean, I, I don't know how – I'm anxious to see the Dukes this weekend for sure and then would be excited if they get to the playoffs. But we haven't seen a lot of great games this year. I, I, I mean, I feel like, you know, SIU got – you know, they beat NDSU early on. Um, JMU that had was the, a one-sided affair. That wasn't yeah, like a, no, wasn't it, a classic match. And it was the first there. game of the spring COVID nonsense. It was a weird – this whole thing. It's easy yeah. to rationalize that one away. Yeah, like I'd be really excited to watch Monmouth play Delaware this in the playoffs. I'd be really excited to see Jacksonville State play Sam Houston. You know, like I have no sense of the quality of any of these teams, other than that I think they're probably pretty good, and I just haven't seen them play against anyone good. So, you know, I, I would love for JMU to play Delaware. <laughs> like, that would be great, you know, um, you know, not not having played them in the regular season. So... I don't know. At least for you, Sam, I hope you get to see some some good – I hope these good games do come to fruition and, and that the teams are, you know, able to stay relatively healthy and safe and, and play these games out. I mean, I, I guess at this point, you don't think – I mean, I don't – I don't know, Rob. We've talked about this every week, but it doesn't – it looks like it's going to happen, right? <laughs> we're going to get to yeah. Sunday and there's yeah, going to be some next happen, Sunday man. and we're going to have a playoff. You just got to pray you don't have a situation like what happened to VCU. In, in the basketball tournament where I, I think it's definitely going to happen. They're going to have playoffs. They'll play in Frisco. 
you just hope that if there's a cancellation, it's in the early rounds and not, you know, a semifinal or something. Yeah, I was happy to hear Signetti say this. Um, and actually, Russ Huseman said the same thing. Uh, Richmond and JMU have essentially, it, it looks like achieved herd immunity <laughs> um, for both, both programs. They expect a full roster for the first time all season this this weekend for both teams, which is at least, you know, I mean, through some combination of vaccination and and already having had it, I, yeah, it should, that, that's an interesting silver lining. Yeah, it will definitely be an interesting dynamic to this playoff season. But, yeah, uh, and, I mean, the, and there was that weird like 10-day stretch a couple of weeks ago where like all of a sudden the storyline came out that, you know, a lot of people were, were saying, oh, it seems like the FCS season is going down the drain and it's, they were going to call it quits at any point. And I, I never understood where that came from. Um, you know, a, a lot of it honestly came from media members in the Dakotas just because South Dakota state was going through stuff and North Dakota state was going through stuff. Mm. But I was saying like, I mean, you take the big picture approach and just because NDSU had a couple games canceled and same thing with South Dakota state and JMU was going through some things like you don't just put the kibosh on the whole thing because a few top 10 teams are having COVID issues. And I remember talking to some Southland media members and they were like, why are they saying that? Like, you know, like the Southland's doing fine. Like, why, why would you cancel the season just because a few teams up north are having problems? Um, and so, like, I never really had any worry about the season finishing. You know, I, I talked to a couple of different commissioners and, and conference opponents, you know, during or, or conference officials during that time and just asked, like, hey, you know, fans are talking about it, media, media members are talking about it, any discussion among the conferences about, you know, just canceling the season and not doing the playoffs. And they said, no, like, that no worries at all. We knew there were going to be hiccups on the road. Um, you know, I've been keeping track of the numbers and I think like 82% of the games, you know, have been played. And so overall that's a good number. Um, I mean, the season has been a mess. Like it's no denying that it, it hasn't been smooth. No one is saying it's fine. I mean, when you have the number one team, JMU only play one time in you know, a month, you know, NDSU had a couple of weeks off, like that's just not ideal, but big picture wise, you know, 82% of games played is pretty good. And now you just hope you get to the playoffs and you don't run into massive COVID issues, which I feel pretty good about. Like, I think teams are going to do a really good job of like really quarantining when they're not, you know, at practice and stuff like that. And I do think there are some situations where like NDSU probably could have played against South Dakota, but they didn't want to risk it. You know, they didn't want to spread it, you know, even more. Um, and there could be some scenarios like during the regular season where maybe a team only had, you know, 60 available players compared to, you know, 90. And in the regular season, they just didn't want to risk it. And so they, you know, they, they, they canceled the game. Well, in the playoffs, you know, if, if right. JMU only has 55 available players in the semifinals, I mean, they're going to play, you know, they're assuming gonna go. yeah. they're going to test those 55 players on game day to make sure they're all, they're all good. And so I don't, I know a lot of people are saying, I mean, what happens if there's four first round games that get canceled due to COVID? I mean, it could happen. I mean, obviously anything can happen, but I, I, I feel like the playoffs will go off without a hitch, like maybe one game gets called off. But overall, I don't think it, there's going to be a massive amount of, of postseason games that, that get called off. Well, it's going to help at least, at least yeah, in JMU, it's going to help that by the time they get down to the uh, quarterfinals and stuff, most, the rest of the students will have gone home. Um, so, no, no, no shots there. No, just uh, it, it won't hurt when um, when all the rest of the student population is no longer on campus. 
um, as far as the kids taking care of themselves. Um, yeah, yeah, right. You know, like by the end of this, they'll be the only ones left on campus except the softball players. So yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, Sam, thank you so much. And I'm really excited for you. I just so everybody out there, you know, we've been big fans of hero sports. We've had a good relationship with them for the last few years. They have done the best job. I mean, you guys know Sam and Brian McLaughlin have done just the best job of covering FCS the last four or five years. And we're so grateful to them. And we were worried, right? We were very worried with COVID this year about what the status was of not just hero sports, but, you know, all things sort of FCS related, you know, down the pecking order. And it's really cool. You guys got bought by BetMGM and, you know, I'm hopeful for big things. You know, our, our old buddy Chase is, I know he does some gambling stuff for BetMGM. So, you know, we're, we're just hopeful you guys can keep it up and, and keep doing what you're doing. And really glad to talk to you and, and thankful to have the coverage, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I definitely uh, appreciate those words and appreciate you having having me on. Uh, I know you guys always joke about, you know, oh, no one listens to our podcast anyways. But, you know, I tune in uh, every week, to every <laughs> every episode. I listen to your, your guys' and Greg Medea's uh, yeah. podcast uh, just because, I mean, to, to cover things nationally, like I, I can't know everything. And so I listen to these podcasts. I listen or I'd follow all the beat reporters just to try to stay on top of things. And so uh, it was uh, definitely my pleasure uh, to be on your guys' uh, podcast. Yeah, we appreciate it. Thank, yeah. thank you very much, Sam. Thanks, Sam. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again in the playoffs at some point. <laughs> so. All right. Yeah, that sounds Have good. Have a good right, night, cool. Sam. Stay right. safe. Thanks. You too, guys. And welcome back, Rob. That was really great to talk to Sam, huh? Yeah, it was good. It was good. And I really, I appreciate his candor with how he ranks JMU and I don't have any problem with it. I think what he's doing is, is certainly objective. Um, we like to need him like everybody else, Not, you know, his, his alma mater and everything else, but the, the guy watches a lot of football yeah. and he clearly has a method to his madness. So I, I really was thankful that he came on and shared his perspective and, it's neat to learn a little about about the landscape of FCS because I have not been paying as much attention as I would in a normal year. Yeah, my thing with Sam, look, I you know, like I like to give him a hard time, like everybody else on the JMU front, but especially this year, there's nobody who knows this stuff more, and that just, I, you know, like, can you argue a, a line or two in the ranking? Maybe, but like, I'm not gonna. I, I don't know. JMU is going to be fine on Sunday if they win on Saturday. That's yeah. the way I feel about it. So yeah, I, I'm just, I, the committee is not going to hurt JMU. Nope. Todd, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, since Youngstown in 2006, seven, we have not had like a major controversy that wasn't J. I mean, there wasn't JMU. I was going to say, we, we did play the, at the East Kentucky one yeah. year. Yeah. Right. Right. Bidgate. But, um, but mm-hmm. that was JMU induced, right? I mean, but other than that, JMU has been well taken care of. The NCAA has done right by JMU. It's done right by JMU for the last 15 the years. The CAA, maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> right, yeah. exactly. Good point, good point. Yeah. Oh, um, So hopefully you guys enjoyed that. Uh, had some really good conversation there with Sam and I think a whole lot of football talk earlier on. Uh, this is going to be a fun weekend. Everybody get ready. 2 p.m. NBC Sports Washington. Versus the Spiders this weekend. Not flow. Not flow. For real headlines. Yeah, watch the game here. Get ready. Uh, Selection Sunday is on Sunday on ESPNU. 
or ESPN three or something also not flow at 1130 on Sunday. So it's a not flow weekend. Yeah, it is. It's wonderful. Um, and there's all kinds of like softball and field hockey and everything else on not flow this week. So enjoy it. Uh, Rob, I think you had a quick overtime for us tonight. What, what do you got? Yeah, let's just, uh, mm-hmm. I know um, I spent a lot of time spring break on the road and I spent <laughs> a lot of time looking at license plates and maybe appreciate how different they are with, with all the 50 States. So I thought there's nothing more important nowadays than to talk about some of our favorite state license plates. That's right. We're really we're taking a serious topic here. We're really hitting the hard news. <sighs> um, so I, I will give you the courtesy of, of going first. Are you sure? I feel like I'm going to steal the best one here. No. Well, you probably will, but I I, I figure we'll each take like three. I, I wrote down five, okay. so I've got I've got a couple dark horses that I can go to. Okay. Well, not in the top ten is Virginia, so we can Virginia's not trash. worry about that. It's Virginia's terrible. trash. Virginia's and they terrible. try. I, I appreciate the little weird colonial flute player guy <laughs> and the and the Blue Ridge Mountains, but yep. they're they're trash. It's just yeah. it's not good. No. It looks like a generic license plate you'd see in a cartoon. Yeah. The one that for me is, and you know, I have a fixation with the state to begin with but the one that is the clear number one that i am just absolutely over the moon in love with all versions of their plate is new mexico um the original yellow with the red zia sun symbol is fantastic but the Mm -hmm. new black one with the red and green chili peppers on Mm -hmm. it is also fantastic those hatch chilies yeah yeah, like the like a chili like just i mean iconic new mexico things I think they may have a balloon one, but they're all fantastic. And even in the various color variations, there's like a teal one with the sun symbol and stuff. Yeah, New Mexico, a land of enchantment. I mean, tough to yeah. beat that, right? New, yeah. Mexico, New Mexico's very good. Yeah. Okay. We got to talk some more trash ones, though. Like, Oh, yeah. Um, definitely Virginia, awful. Maryland, I hate to tell you people, I know you're obsessed with your flag and your license plates. Oh, it's terrible. Maryland, bad. New York is awful. New York, because you've got two, and they both. And I think it's Pennsylvania when I see it at first, and then it's not. It's just New York, and they're both terrible. And yeah, the yellow one looks like it should only be on like commercial vehicles. Yes, and then you've got the other one, which just looks like a knockoff of Virginia, and it's bad. Florida's bad, which should be good, and it's just. um, I do like that Florida has the county on it. Yeah, I like that, but that's okay. Yeah, that's neat. But I I guess I'm not going to go straight to my number one, so I'll go. I guess since it's still on the board, I, I think South Carolina. Oh yeah, the that, palmetto tree. Oh. I think they've got arguably the best state flag, and they care for that motif for their license plate. I love just the blue and white one, but they also have like a multicolored one going with like a sunset type thing again featuring the palmetto. But I think that's a great one. So for me, that that's my top three. That's my third. Yeah. That's good. I, that's yeah. South Carolina is tough to beat. That's a nice one. So I think what else? I'll. I'll I mean, hmm. I can go deep. I got a long list. I know, I know. (laughs) So I have in my own basement from my own life, I have a Colorado plate. And Colorado has some great, a great set. They also, another state that has a great set of plates. I I actually think Colorado has done themselves a disservice by going away. Good. It, It should be so much better. Yes. And they were great. Yeah. Like the 90s Colorado was fantastic and they've moved into i don't know but they have the you know even the one that i have which is the green with the white mountains is pretty cool the uh, the one with the c you know colorado is pretty cool they do have like a red and white one that some people have that's not that great 
So I, I don't know. It's a weird thing, but have the one, the green and white variations with the mountains are pretty tough to beat. So yeah, you're that was my honorable mention. Okay. I, I think Colorado is good. It's I, I real I like the white with the green mountains. Okay. Um, yeah. I have, I have way too much of an opinion on license whites. <laughs> no, it's important. Yeah, I guess uh, there's something about the West. I don't know. My second yes. uh-huh. is Utah. Oh yeah. With the arches. I mean, oh. that's just awesome. They've got the benefit of being, you know, low key underappreciated, but maybe the most beautiful state mm-hmm. of the 50. And I just love the arches. It's a great license plate. It's got an iconic piece of uh, geography there. And I don't know. It's, to me, it's, it's top notch. Well, I've also loved the, the the way the Utah Jazz have kind of leaned into the yes. Utah Utes. Mm-hmm. You know, the women's gymnastic team there is the Red Rocks. Mm-hmm. And like the Jazz for, for the University of Utah mm-hmm. has a very famous like gymnastics team. And I feel like the Jazz have kind of stolen their mojo with the like those those you know what i'm talking about the red yeah. red rocks uniform like are, are awesome yeah, yeah those are, very cool um hawaii don't see them often but tough i mean those are with the rainbow the one with the, the rainbow the old, the old school standard. one with the rainbow i mean all of the kind of island i mean I, I don't know how much we want to get into territories here but like guam virgin islands puerto rico mm-hmm. uh, I hope I'm not stealing any of yours, but all of those have like kind of cool, the Virgin Islands one, I think has a flower in the middle. Like, uh, yeah, but the, the Hawaii one with the rainbow is just cause you don't see it either. And so then it's like, Oh, that's it cool. Is cool. Like, yeah, it's noteworthy. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Like, You're like, Oh, Hawaii. Oh, while we're at it, just like American license plates superior. Oh yeah. Like, like the weird oh, compared to like the EU random yeah, yeah nonsense just yeah. numbers and boring like yeah. have some creativity guys it's, <laughs> it's terrible okay well I guess my number one mm-hmm. would be Arizona oh yeah the, the purple yellow and green one with the cactus and the mountain backdrop yeah I just I like them again there's something about the great American West where it just really brings out the inspirational license plate designs <laughs> in utah i was trying amazing. to think if there are any ones i don't know um, oh there were a couple i, I was looking for it before um there's some really boring ones yeah i don't i don't want to root for alabama but the stars fell on alabama one is pretty good yeah um isn't there a mississippi one that has the magnolia on it I don't, I don't know. There might be. There's a. There's an Illinois with Lincoln, which. Is oh really yeah, cool. that's pretty cool. There's a Wyoming with the cowboy. That is really good. Is, is cool, but sometimes I it's all respect. So. There's a guy in my neighborhood. I don't. I haven't met him, but there's a house in my neighborhood who has a University of Wyoming sticker, you know, on the yeah. car in the neighborhood, and I'm all interested. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's the. That's a really great logo. Yeah, oh, that that's old school cowboy. You know. I don't know. Yeah. Everybody you, likes the Oregon license plate. I'm not a fan. I think it's very overrated. It's got some mm. tree on it or something. And I don't know. Probably it's like a tree and like cool? anti vax slogan or something. It's Oregon. <laughs> yes, Oregon. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was trying to think of You know, this is your wheelhouse, Rob. I don't know. Are there any oh, yeah. I, I love that are stuff. valuable here? I don't know. I mean, you've got. Vermont should be better. It's kind of yeah. Lame. You think it'd be more iconic? Jersey, not good. No. Pennsylvania no, looks Spain. like a weird New York yeah. color scheme. Um, there's a lot of missed opportunities. Montana, not good. So much to work no, with, just, and I feel uh, like 
And you only need to issue like 14 a year. Like how many cars are registering in Montana? Well, and the font they chose is clearly like we're only issuing 14, so we might as well choose the cheapest font. Yeah, exactly. Like we don't have the tax base for this. (laughs) (laughs) Have Letterman pay for another one or something. (laughs) Right. I don't know. There's, there's, I, I kind of like Georgia. I know it's, it's kind of clip clip arty, but I kind of like the peach. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the ones that I actually had. So. Mm-hmm. That gets bonus points, um, but no, those are big ones. Like it's just the American West makes better license plates. Than the You're right. Plates. Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico. Those are, the, I mean, the four corners areas. Yeah. Just Utah. Yeah. They're crushing it. There, right. Yeah, yeah. And then we got South Carolina holding it down for the East Coast. That's right. That's about all we got. Yeah. Um, all right. I like this topic. Well, Rob, it's great to talk to you, and it was really fun talking football. I hope. I really hope. What do I hope? Mainly just that everybody's healthy. They play okay this weekend. You know. No, oh, come on. Now that they beat Richmond. We're 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 downplaying this too much. We are. The teams are healthy. They're gonna play. If Jamie plays Richmond in anything, they have to beat Richmond. I, they gotta beat them. You know, for Tidley Winks to yeah, football. You're right. They, they gotta do it. I, uh, I, we can I, talk about the playoffs and the long term implications later. If we are playing Richmond, we need to beat Richmond. End of story. They're going to beat Richmond. They're going to destroy VMI. They're going to beat Delaware. They're going to, I don't know. That gets and then MIs and we'll see what happens. Success. The, the success at that point. Let's go, boys. Come on. Saddle up here. It's time to throw it to Bracey. Uh, Cole, get, get, get this act in gear here. I want to see Percy back on the field this weekend, running around. Although I do want to see plenty of Kalon Black carry. Uh, yes, I was just <laughs> the same thing. Um, and Rob, we next week. I, I don't know if they don't make the playoffs. We'll talk about JMU basketball transfers because there are some big uh, news. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, the, hey, the portal works both ways. Portal works both ways, and um, let's just say we're really excited about Coach B's program building so far. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, and I hope you know doesn't go anything else. Uh, Greg Medea, if you're listening, uh, we're looking forward to another. Uh, DNR podcast. More informative podcast. Yeah, we're looking forward to something good on Wednesday. I I, I know there were about a billion. I, I noticed today, Rob, there were like a billion people asking a lot of questions of him yeah. when he put the request out today. And I was like, yeah, we're all like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah. um, and you can approach it from so many different angles right now. I, I asked, like, I'm interested, like, what happened to Fornado? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not, I, was... I don't care about it from a JMU standpoint. I just more sure interested in like, what is the what's going on there? Like, yeah, like is he deciding to come back? Is he moving okay. on? Is he going to the draft? Like, should yeah. I start getting excited for the draft? Like, what? Yeah, I, I just I don't know. So I I don't know. It's and I'm not an NFL talent evaluator. I'm certainly not a, a player like him who who's injured. But I'd have to think it's in his best interest to come back and get another season on tape. And you yet, know, he was kind of a, he was, he was a strong prospect, but a strong FCS prospect. I don't think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think they were saying this was guy was going to be drafted. They were saying this is a guy who could potentially play his way onto a roster. Yeah, I think he was a third day guy at best. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and it, it wasn't, but it, he was more it he was, like, if he comes back, he could be Dylan Radins from North Dakota state. Who's like yeah. actually talked about as like a first, second day guy. You know, yeah, like, but he was more like Aaron, for Jamie perspective, like he's more Aaron Stenny, like Aaron Stenny versus Earl Watford. Like Watford was going to get drafted. Yeah, um, Stenny was like a guy who could potentially find his way on a roster. Yeah, so. I think that's right. Yeah, so 
who knows? I, I just was kind of interested. In, I mean, he's totally off the radar because he's not on the spring. He's not going to play again in the spring. It doesn't yeah. seem like. So it's just, I don't know. But but everybody else wants to know about, you know, there's a hundred other things to ask. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I'm sure. I, which, which one of our five all-conference caliber running backs are going to play on Saturday? Just give the ball to Keelan Black. Sorry, I'm, now I'm rooting for the young guy, but like that kid's got scoots. Like, yeah, all right. Rob, I will talk to you next week. Um, one after a big win. Another. After a big win. Come after on, a big win over the – after a big tick t- stomping. Yep. All right. Thanks, Rob. All right. Have a good one. Go, go Dukes. Thank you.